Hello, everybody. This is your host, Amanda. I just wanted to put a note at the top of the episode thanking you all for your incredible support for the first couple episodes of this podcast. Everyone who supported the Ko-Fi, everyone who just tagged me on TikTok and followed the Instagram, it is incredible the amount of support that you guys have given me, and I am honored to have your continued support. I also just wanted to put a note at the top of the episode, as Castiel is a character that struggles with depression and suicidal tendencies, and those facts will be discussed within this podcast. Just wanted to give you all fair warning. Okay, so without further ado, please enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Skip to the Gay Parts. I'm your host, Amanda, and on this podcast, I watch entire series of television, find the gay parts, and come on here to give you an entire book report about them. Our first two episodes were about the bisexual disaster himself, Dean Winchester, and I know that you didn't think that I was going to escape my Supernatural rewatch two times through without touching on Castiel, so let's get into it. Castiel, the soldier the angel of Thursday who came off the line with a crack in his chassis, the angel who fell from grace and with a detour through hell fell right into love with Dean Winchester. If it isn't clear, in this episode, I will be discussing everyone's favorite trench coat wearing chaotic gay angel man, Castiel. I also want to state at the top of this episode that yes, as an angel, Cast technically doesn't have a gender, and those who see him as something other than male or something other than gay, leaning somewhere else under the umbrella of queer, are also correct in their assessment. He is a multidimensional wavelength of celestial intent, so I'm not going to put anyone's opinions in a box. This is simply how I read him. Castiel, the gay angel. Castiel, Angel of the Lord, is the character that the writers of Supernatural accidentally made into a fan favorite. Even after killing him off over and over again and trying to get us to give up on him, we simply never did. And just like we have Jensen's love for Dean to thank for his beautiful bisexual story, in Cass's case, we absolutely have Misha Collins to thank. The love and care that Misha has for Castiel is evident in every moment he is on screen and in everything he has displayed to us throughout the years. Even down to the moment we last saw him, when Misha tweeted that he was watching the finale through the eyes of Castiel and it made him weep, love and care for your character like that seeps into the performance and makes us care about him that much more. I acknowledge the tweets and the videos from after the finale, but I also acknowledge that he listened to us, that he heard what Cass and Dean mean to us, and for that he has my respect, and the cameo videos are certainly a cherry on top. And I said this in my Dean Winchester episode, but the tension and the chemistry between Misha and Jensen is so wildly entertaining to watch throughout the run of the series. And it is also a huge reason that Cass and Dean are so clearly coded as a couple. They just work really well together and clearly get along and it comes through. So thank you to the men who gave Cass and Dean life. And you can hear more about Dean on his episodes, but this... This is Castiel's moment. Castiel's entire original purpose in the series was to be Dean's literal salvation. His very first act in the show was to grip Dean tight and raise him from perdition. An act that created for the two of them a profound bond that, no matter how hard the show tried, simply couldn't be broken. It is so hard to believe that after that life-saving moment and the season that is season four that followed, that Castiel was not supposed to stick around for any longer than a few episodes and instead he stayed for 12 years, fell in love with Dean Winchester, and raised a child with him. Now, there are a lot of theories within the fan about exactly when Castiel fell in love with Dean. And for the record, it is when, not if anymore, not after the confession at the end of the show. We know now that Cass has been in love with Dean for a very long time. But I'll admit, I agree with the people who don't think it was necessarily love at first sight. So, if it wasn't, when did it happen? I guess we have to start at the beginning and work our way there. 
When Castiel first strutted onto our screens in probably the most epic and memorable entrance in the show's entire history, it was a moment. And honestly, it was a good symbol for how Dean and Cass's relationship will develop from there. Cass leaves his lasting scar of a handprint on Dean's shoulder and building anticipation the entire episode about exactly what had the power to raise Dean from hell is already good enough. But then his entrance. Cass walking in through a flurry of sparks, strutting into danger, letting bullets and blades bounce off of him and ending up very much in Dean's personal space, waiting for him to be finished with his own nonsense and truly seeing Dean down to his soul right away, seeing that Dean didn't think he deserved to be saved in such a way. But like I said, it's far from love at first sight. No, it is very much more of a slow burn, reluctant partners in crime to lovers sort of situation. Not only does their first meeting consist of Dean shooting at him and stabbing him in the chest thinking he's a demon, but for at least the first few episodes after his arrival, Dean still doesn't trust angels and doesn't trust Cass. And Cass finds Dean annoying and disruptive and rude and unable to follow basic orders being passed down from heaven. Much like Dean, Cass was raised as a soldier a soldier of heaven over the course of a millennia, but a soldier nonetheless. And he was brought up to follow orders without questioning them and be loyal to his father above all else. For the greater good, any of his free will has to be put to the side and his father's orders were quite literally the word of God. A heavenly, more amplified version of daddy issues, if you will. And then he gets the task to rescue a soul from hell. He meets Dean Winchester, the man just breaking away from his father's hold, the man who questions everything who looks destiny in the face and tells it to go to hell, and something fundamentally shifts in Castiel. An early moment of this is season four, episode three, in the beginning, where Dean has to go back in time because of a mission, Heaven and Cass get to see Dean struggle between saving his family and possibly losing everyone he and his dad and Sam had ever saved. Cass sees in that episode how much the decision wrecks Dean, and he learns a little bit more about the Winchester man's need to save humanity. By season four, episode seven, it's the great pumpkin Sam Winchester, Cass is already having doubts about his orders. He confides in Dean that he has questions and doubts and he doesn't know what's right or wrong anymore and that he doesn't envy the weight on Dean's shoulders and all that he has to take on about the 66 seals. And by episode 10, Cass is even being left out of chats between Uriel and Dean because Dean is already becoming Cass's weakness. In short, Castiel is beginning to like him. It is very convenient that this happens right after Dean sleeps with the angel Anna. Maybe the writers are trying to know homo some stuff, but these are early hints that Cass and Dean's bond is starting to drag Cass toward a fall. There's even a significant moment of Anna the angel kissing Dean goodbye, and for no reason at all, we cut to just Cass's reaction to it. For what? For why? If not to show jealousy, what was that about? Because simply knowing Dean, standing by his side, crack something in Castiel's foundation that will never be the same no matter how much Heaven tries to fix it. A big symbol of that is when Dean gives Castiel his nickname of Cass. After a deep dive into a few blogs and baby naming websites, I was able to parse out that the meaning of the name Castiel is the shield of God, but the individual components of his name, Cass, is to fall, and I-L is from God. So when Castiel gets his nickname, the from God is removed from his name. Now it's just to fall, and that name is given to him by Dean Winchester. Dean, the human in his charge that Cass starts to get too close to, shortens his name to to fall. 
Soon, Cass starts to express emotions that angels aren't intended to have. In late season 4, Heaven puts a leash on Cass and starts to pull him back because of it, even forcing him to make Dean torture again. I like to call it Heaven's first try at Castiel's conversion therapy. Season 4 episode 16, On the Head of a Pin, is Cass's first true turning point towards his fall. He even turns to Anna, his mentor, and another angel who has formed a connection with Dean, who literally ripped herself from Heaven's grasp and asks for her help to do what is needed to be done to help the Winchesters. And in the monster at the end of this book, Cass finally makes a move. He gives Dean the hint that the Archangels have to protect prophets if they are being put in harm's way. And for the first time, what Chuck wrote into the story is not what happens. Almost like Cass's defiance was the first true sign of free will there ever is in this show. And his reward for it? A moment where Cass was fully pulled from his vessel back to heaven to be reminded who it was he was supposed to be serving. Let this show's homophobic punishment for Cass's feelings begin. A sidestep from the Cass conversation to once again praise Misha in the Jimmy Novak episode, because all they did was take off the coat, and Misha is so talented that Jimmy is a different fucking person. I can barely see any remnants of Cass in that man's face. But then Cass is back with renewed orders from heaven to stick to the mission and stop leaning towards his affection for Dean. And yet, with only a little more time to talk to Dean, all of that work is undone. And Cass stands in defiance of heaven, and again, he changes Chuck's version of the story by holding the archangels off while Dean tries to stop the breaking of the last seal. You aren't a part of this story, are the words Chuck uses. And Cass is the one who replies, we're making it up as we go. Cass again, being a beacon of free will in defiance of the written ending and representing the ability to change the outcome of their supposed fate. This leads to Cass's first death-slash-resurrection. And it is worth noting that it has been less than one episode worth of time after he and Dean have barely become friends, and Dean is deeply affected and upset about Cass dying for him. And by the time Free to Be You and Me, Season 5, Episode 3, comes around, I feel very secure in saying that Dean and Cass are now best friends. Cass goes to Dean for help in finding the Archangel, and Dean says he has more fun with Cass in that day than he has had with Sam in years. They have some truly human moments with each other. Cass is being pushed into the brothel for his last night on Earth, and they're heart-to-heart -heart about absent fathers. Cass may have come crashing into Dean's life like a literal force of heaven, but by the beginning of Season 5, the feelings of friendship and connection start to settle into something really warm and wonderful. We take a brief sidestep in season five to end verse Cass and Dean and a possible 2014 future overtaken by the Croatoan virus. And I'm sorry, there's simply nothing anyone can say that would convince me that Croatoan Cass and Dean weren't fucking. It's the familiarity with each other, the looseness of their communication, but still the unwavering partnership. They were fucking, but they were not talking about it. And I am right. But returning to the active timeline, once Cass rebels, he does start showing more of his human side more and more. Like in the famine episode, My Bloody Valentine, after experiencing his vessel needing to eat, he also shows empathy for Dean as they listen to Sam sober up from his demon blood relapse. Cass, who is so new to experiencing human emotion, just has an innate instinct to comfort Dean in this moment because he knows how much listening to Sam's pain is hurting him. And in season 5, episode 16, Cass learns the truth that God is not going to help, that he isn't listening, 
and we see Cass truly lose faith. Before this revelation, Cass was rebelling against heaven because he had a reason. He had a cause. But suddenly now the cause has lost meaning and he doesn't know where to turn. I also find it interesting that this loss of faith has him adopting some of Dean's classic coping skills, such as calling God a son of a bitch and getting absolutely wasted by drinking an entire liquor store. Throughout the series, we do see Cass learn a lot of his humanity by watching Dean, and he tends to take on a lot more of his destructive behaviors to cope. And then Cass is struck human and vulnerable for the first time. His hope and faith completely depleted in the season five finale as he stands by Dean's side and watches the world fall down around them. Everything we see of Cass to this point is him coming to terms with his own new emotions, rebelling against the system that he was brought up in, turning against heaven because of humanity, because of Dean Winchester's influence. And up to this point, I believe he holds affection for Dean, that he feels something, but that he is not yet sure exactly what that feeling is. But you can see it in his eyes when Dean is in pain and Cass wants to comfort him. Then after returning from the dead for the second? Second time. He is back at full angel strength, and his first acts are to heal Dean's wounds from the fight with Lucifer and to bring back Bobby, Dean's true father. This is also where I believe we can stop thinking of this as Cass in Jimmy's vessel. The vessel was exploded, Jimmy is dead, and now that it is all brought back together, that is 100% Castiel's body. The lack of Cass in early season six is frankly criminal. For the grand majority of it, he's off screen fighting a heavenly civil war, but there are a few light moments that I am choosing to make significant. I believe that until the pizza man, Castiel knew in concept what sex was, but did not have a physical awareness or attachment to it. And after that moment, I did start to look critically at how Cass interacted with sex. All throughout season six, you can see the moments of conflict Cass has between caring for the boys and fighting his war in heaven. But I also believe him leading the charge of the civil war in heaven was the start of the two season campaign to villainize and weaponize Cass, ultimately turning him into a big bad in season seven and killing him again. Because God forbid the queer-coded character get to be one of the heroes, especially while they're busy trying to ignore all of Dean's bisexual energy. I personally believe that was because the writers were angry at his popularity and were desperately trying to kill him off and no homo their way out of it. Even getting passive aggressive about it in the French Mistake episode, making Misha act a little more stereotypically feminine and then literally murdering him. Misha Collins is canonically dead in the supernatural universe. There is no hiding it and no way to skirt around it. The writers only intended Cass to be a one season character and his popularity made them bitter at every turn. They hated having to keep him around and they made it clear often. I can't ignore that, especially in the seasons where they worked the hardest to try and make him go away. And yet in all of that, season six gives us the man who would be king. The first and only episode entirely from Cass's perspective, showing us why he is doing what he is doing which ends in what Dean sees as a betrayal. It's the first time this season we get to see what Cass has been up to every time he blips off to nowhere. It shows him watching from the sidelines as Dean lives out his retired life with Lisa in the year he was without Sam. Cass even makes sure over and over again to leave Dean out of the happenings of heaven and hell because Dean was out of hunting, trying to move on, and Cass wasn't going to ruin that for him. So when everything falls apart, when Dean figures out Cass has been lying to him, they both break. And we get more than one scene of Dean and Cass fighting like a couple in the middle of a breakup. Dean begging Cass to stop what he's planning and Cass insisting he's doing everything for the good of them both. I want to assess where I think Cass is emotionally at this point. In one of these fights, Dean tells Cass he sees him as family 
And as discussed on my Dean episodes, that's probably because Dean feels love and affection for Cass, and the only way he knows how to categorize that love is in his repressed brain is in a familial way. But Cass is still new to feeling anything at all. So honestly, they're starting in pretty similar places emotionally. As I said before, this whole episode, we see Cass watching from the sidelines as Dean lives out his white picket fence life, and he works hard to maintain that for him. And he stands firm against Crowley that if Dean and Sam are harmed, Cass will burn him to the ground. Because Cass cares for Dean. He feels their bond and it is important to him. I don't think he knows yet that the feelings he is having are love. He hasn't had that aha moment yet. Even though when we see the pain in his face during these fights with Dean, it feels like his heart is right there on his sleeve. But one simply cannot ignore the romantic nature of the ending of season six. Dean has to get Lisa and Ben, the family he had to walk away from, out of danger. And he can't let Cass help because it is partially due to Cass that they're even in danger in the first place. And then we get a conversation saying that Dean and Cass are family and that Cass has earned Dean's trust but Dean does not have it to give. And it's hard to put into words the emotions that I at least felt watching Cass heal Lisa and the visible weight you can see it take off of Dean's shoulders. This is a moment where Cass knows he has something to make up for and he does what he can. He brings Lisa back. Once again, trying to hand Dean back the life he's been trying to protect for him all year. And then having to wipe Lisa and Ben's minds make them forget Dean. The dichotomy of Dean and Cass's affection and bond against that of Dean and Lisa and Ben's. The two types of family, the two feelings of failure. I don't know how someone can witness that storyline play out and not think, fuck, that's the most romantic thing I've ever seen. Along with this season six romance, the inherent queer coding of Cass only gets stronger the more he is villainized. Being abandoned by his family and friends, being put under impossible circumstances to try and do the right thing. This amplified by his partnership with Crowley, because Crowley is also a queer-coded villain in this series, whose team-ups always read as either a buddy comedy or a sexual fling. In this research, I decided I needed to find the moment that it dawns on Cass that he is in love with Dean. His aha, oh shit moment, if you will. And surprisingly, I think it happened in the moments after Cass gives up his god powers. The moments after he comes back to life. Dean pulls Cass to his feet, and Cass apologizes for everything he did in season six. He says, I'm going to find some way to redeem myself to you. And when Dean tries to brush it off, Cass stops him in his tracks and makes the point that no, he means it. He will find a way to make this right. He promises. It's a small moment and it happens fast and it's right before the Leviathans take over his body, but there is just something irreverent in the way Cass looks at Dean in that moment. Like, that is it. That's the moment Cass knows Dean is the single most important part of his life and he needs to win that trust back. So then, of course, he dies again. Or so we think. When Dean does see Cass again, when Cass is finally back, he kind of isn't. He doesn't remember who he is and you can see that it hurts Dean just to look at him. And so Dean tells a Cass who cannot remember who he is that this buddy of Dean's, this Cass, broke Dean's trust in a way that Dean can't seem to find a way to forgive. And so, just like the man he loves, when Cass gets those memories back and figures out what he has done this past year, he says he deserves to die, that it's the only thing that will fix it all. The self-sacrifice thing is really a learned behavior with these two self-hating heroes. So he does what he can do, and he takes Sam's pain away, and he puts it all on himself. His first shot at penance for his sins committed against Dean Winchester. And then again, when he resurfaces, he knows who he is, but is otherwise emotionally wiped clean. And he can't even find it in himself to feel the sorrow he should be feeling. It's too much 
and he's too vulnerable and he can't face it until he's forced to. When angels come into it all and confront just how broken he is. They tell him you have fallen in every way imaginable with an air of disgust about it. And he has fallen. That much is true. Fallen from grace, fallen out of line with the mission of heaven, fallen to earth, fallen in love with Dean Winchester. And the angels hold strong that he is useless to them now. He is too damaged to ever be as good a tool for them anymore. They spit vitriol at Dean, telling him the very touch of you corrupts. When Castiel first laid a hand on you in hell, he was lost. Which is a line that is so loaded with meaning, suggesting that the very moment Cass pulled Dean from hell, the deed was done and he would never be the same. That Dean's existence and Cass's connection and bond with him is an irredeemable corruption that has tainted Cass in the eyes of heaven. I don't know about y'all, but that sounds homophobic as fuck to me. The strict, faithful soldier that breaks ranks from heaven and has the audacity to express some free will attaches himself emotionally and completely to this man, to Dean Winchester, and because of that, he is called corrupt. If you don't see the queer coding and homophobic context in there, I simply don't know how to help you because it's right there in your face. But finally, at the end of the season, Cass and Dean get a moment to talk. Dean tells Cass that they're a little bit broken, but cursed or not, Dean would rather have Cass on his team when it comes to the big fights. And with that conversation, Cass gets a little smile on his face and he detects a hint of forgiveness between them. And he would be right. This feels like a mending of fences. It feels like forgiveness as they head into battle side by side. And with that, purgatory. Purgatory in this show has always seemed to serve as kind of a clean slate for Cass and Dean. They only have to worry about surviving and they tend to cling to one another in ways that they just can't when topside. For Dean, purgatory is purity of the hunt, and it takes down all the walls he builds around his emotions, allowing him to form attachments to Benny and to be unapologetic about needing to protect Cass for them to leave that place together. But for Cass, purgatory is an endless hellscape of monsters who knows he is there and are drawn to him like a moth to a flame. And so he runs. He keeps away from Dean for as long as possible to keep him safe. And when Dean finally finds him, he only gives in to Dean's demands because he can't bear to leave Dean behind again. Not until he has to. He battles through purgatory, keeping Dean and Benny safe until they get to the rift. And it seems that he even considers following Dean through until the last second, when he lets go and forces Dean to leave him behind. Just as Cass has learned many of his other human traits from Dean Winchester, the way he handles guilt in a self-sacrificial way is probably the most damaging. Castiel lets Dean leave him behind because he believes he deserves to be there, that he needs to pay further penance for what he has done on Earth, and the only way to do that was to lock himself in his own personal hellscape in purgatory and face the monsters he once absorbed. And if the symbolic nature of that sacrifice wasn't enough, when Cass finally gets topside again and he and Dean have a moment to talk it all out, Cass straight up admits the guilt of what he did as Godsteel weighs on him so heavily he is afraid he will kill himself if he has to face it. We soon learn that though Cass is back on Earth, he is also actively being controlled by the angel Naomi in heaven. I like to call this story arc Castiel's conversion therapy round two. His retraining from season four before he helped throw Lucifer into the cage clearly didn't take. So this time around, the angels, specifically Naomi it seems, decide to take a horribly radical approach, literally pulling his strings in heaven as he also exists on Earth and making him forget the commands as he executes them. It really hits in an especially fucked up way because at the end of season seven, he had vowed 
to win Dean's trust back. And when they were in purgatory, all was forgiven. All that mattered was staying together and getting out alive. And now they're out when Cass has the time to pay penance and earn his way back into Dean's trust. Heaven is actively preventing it. And there is nothing he can do to stop it because he doesn't even know it's happening. Naomi's reconditioning consists of memory wiping and literal lobotomy that we witness as Cass cowers on the floor, clearly confused and in pain as he tries to rescue his brother Angel Samandriel. He cares for this angel, knows he is a good soldier, a good being, and Cass is forced to murder him anyway. One could say he was being used as Heaven's blunt little instrument. And... It almost works. He starts acting violently towards demons and then towards Dean. He beats Dean's face bloody and comes within a breath of killing him. But then Dean is on his knees in that crypt, begging Cass to stop. Dean says he needs Cass and it breaks the spell. Once again, Dean is the thing that brings Cass out of Heaven's hold, the thing that literally drags him back down to Earth and gives him back his freedom of choice and his sense of free will. And then Cass disappears with the Angel Tablet. He thinks that Heaven getting that close to controlling him and that close to the Angel Tablet means that he needs to run and isolate himself and protect the tablet. And I truly do love his method of hiding. Using the laziness of capitalism by hiding in all the Biggersons around the country at the same time, using their sameness to hide from the angels of heaven and succeeding for a long time. You go, Cass. You be gay and do crimes that even heaven can't catch you for and use capitalism against them. However, when Naomi finally does catch up to him, we get the speech that reveals how many times his memory has been wiped clean because he is the famous spanner in the works that he came off the line with a crack in his chassis. That line is used on Cass over and over again in this show. Came off the line with a crack in his chassis and I feel the need to examine it. So I looked up what a chassis was and a chassis by definition is the load-bearing framework of an artificial object which structurally supports the object in its construction and function. It is used most commonly in reference to cars. So over and over again, Heaven, God, the writers use a car analogy against Cass to demonstrate his brokenness. You know, the same character they try to make us believe they aren't writing as in a relationship with the man who famously cares about two things and two things only. The people in his family and his fucking car. Just something to mull over for a little while. Cass is also told here that he has never done what he is told and he doesn't even die right. Yet another moment that the show lays out for us that Cass is the one person, the one entity in the show that embodies the sense of free will. He deviates from Chuck's writings. He has gone against the orders of heaven so many times that his mind had to be wiped clean an insane amount of times. And when Crowley takes him captive and takes the angel tablet from him, Cass is only able to escape far enough to get him back into Sam and Dean's care, where they take him back in the bunker for the first time. And of course, after making sure he's safe and taking care of him, Dean reverts back to being pissed at Cass for disappearing, pissed at him for ghosting and not trusting, and won't accept Cass's piss-poor apology. And Cass accepts all of Dean's frustration and anger. And takes it out on himself. He knows he broke the very fragile trust they have rebuilt. And though he is still reeling from his encounter with angel and demons, he reverts back to the one true fallback emotion, which is making things right with Dean Winchester. And he's committed to it. If he wasn't interrupted, I truly believe we would have seen him smite that teenager in the store for their lack of pie. Step one in repairing a relationship with Dean Winchester is to provide him pie. But 
he is interrupted, a very fragile and a very broken Cass who only wants to fix things with Dean and fix things in heaven, put an end to the war, is presented with a blueprint of how to do just that by Metatron. Fucking Metatron. Metatron is a master manipulator, and Cass, though being a very intelligent being with unknowable power, he is also very vulnerable at this moment, and he needs to prove to himself that he can fix this, that he can fix heaven, that he can fix it all to prove he's worthy of Dean's trust and respect, and that they're on the same side. This time, he even lets Dean know what he's been doing, and asks for Dean's help with one of the steps to closing the doors of heaven. So much so, they end up going on a hunt for Cupid together. Which presents us all with the question, if Cass and Dean are not a love story, why do they go hunting for Cupid together twice? This hunt also includes a soft moment where Cass and Dean share a beer and open up about how this war has been affecting them, and the couple their Cupid ends up putting together is two men. And it is scenes like this that truly make me lose my entire mind. But of course, because these characters never get to be happy, Cass's well-intentioned mission to close the gates of heaven turns against him. Metatron takes his great casts him to earth as a human, and throws every last angel in existence out of heaven. Season 9 human cast is really the embodiment of, hello, I am incredibly vulnerable, please do not look at me, it may kill me. But we do get very relationshipy moments in the season 9 opener, when Cass finally gets Dean on the phone and says he can come and help Sam, but Dean says no, stay away, get to the bunker, stay safe, and stay out of sight until all the angels are done hunting him down. Castiel is still shaking off the fact that he was once all-powerful and is now completely human, and it takes him the whole episode and having to kill one of his angel sisters to accept that in fact he is human now. And by the end of the season 9 opener, he has shed his signature Castiel look. The trench coat and the suit that his angel form has donned for the last five seasons is gone and he trades it in for a hoodie and some jeans. The way this show uses wardrobe to express how vulnerable its characters are is honestly brilliant. They do it for Dean, from him giving up his leather jacket when he needs armor and switching back to soft fabrics when he's more comfortable, holds true for Cass. His trench coat is a sign of strength. It is what he wore when he was an angel of the Lord. It is what he chose to keep wearing even when he rebelled. He's a fighter and he's strong and he's unstoppable and the iconic look lends itself to that image. But human Cass is more vulnerable than he's ever been and he's now in softer fabrics, more comfortable, casual clothing, and it heavily contributes to his breakable human storyline. And this is only further enforced when he finally gets to the bunker, finally has a home to land at with Dean and Sam, and for reasons Dean won't explain to him, is abruptly forced out the door. This move strains their relationship in such a gut-wrenching way. You can see both of them every time they do interact. They want nothing more than to be able to fight together and be in this side by side, but secrets and lies just keep them a few feet apart. There's a moment in Castiel's very human episode of needing to sleep and eat and shower and find his way through the world, and we also see him get a tattoo to ward himself against the angels hunting him. And I decide to take that as a moment of Castiel claiming his body, now his human body as his own. He was no longer in a vessel. This is him. This body is completely Cass. And after being cast out of the bunker, Cass actually does get to settle in somewhat of a life. He gets a job, he finds peace and solace in a hard day's work, but he's also still a hunter. So when he sees a case, he of course pulls Dean into it. This case with Dean and Cass, this entire episode, there almost aren't words. If we aren't supposed to see the wistful way Dean gazes at Cass through the gas and sip window as pining, what exactly was that supposed to be? There is a heavy awkwardness between the two of them. Cass is still very hurt about being cast out, and Dean is acting defensively because he 
desperately wants to tell his reason, but he just can't. Cass is also very clearly going through some self-worth issues, as he does for pretty much every moment after his fall, but it's so clear here. He isn't an angel anymore, he isn't a soldier anymore, and he doesn't even think he could be a hunter anymore after being kicked out, so he's building a life. He takes on small responsibilities that give him purpose, because his self-worth is intrinsically tied to what he can contribute to people. And along with the lovely awkwardness of Dean and Cass working a case together in this episode and Dean's wistful staring, we also get Cass going on his very first human date. This date and the fact that Cass sleeps with women who end up trying to kill him usually are part of some people's arguments that Cass is not gay and he falls somewhere else in the LGBTQ spectrum. And again, I'm not here to invalidate that opinion. If Cass just falls under queer for you because of those things and the tenuous argument of gender, I completely respect that. I can't tell you why exactly Cass always falls under the head of gay for me. But he does. And I always saw these moments with women as him trying to do what humans were supposed to do. And the only example he's ever been shown is man plus woman, so that is what he does. Compulsory heterosexuality is very much a thing, and I believe contributes to Cass's sexual experiences. Despite the fact that he's actively falling in love with Dean the whole time. And of course, the homophobic nature of the writers only reinforced all of that. So again, if Cass is a different flavor of queer in your mind, you're right because he is what we make of him. But back to the date moment, because the moment Dean steps in as Cass's wingman, the vibe of this whole episode becomes 100% the best friend of the main character in an 80s rom-com who finally got a date with a girl he likes, so the best friend is supportive even though they've been in love with the main character the whole time. It's very some kind of wonderful vibes with just a splash of Ducky Dale thrown in there. That's all I'm saying. So of course, it turns out that what Cass thought was a date was actually a babysitting gig, and that gets interrupted by a murderous angel. But who saves him and the baby from said angel? You know it's Dean. Of course it's Dean. It's always going to be Dean. And yet, Cass and Dean are forced to go their separate ways again, only to reunite on another case. This time, Cass taking a very active lead role, trying to be one of the guys. FBI suit, musician name, alias, and everything. And yes, the writers do add a little extra twist of the knife, making Cass only have female pop star FBI names. It's a microaggression targeting his queerness, but I do admit that that boy blasts Lizzo and Taylor Swift out of his truck speakers with absolutely no regret. But anyway, despite fitting in exactly as he thinks he should and working the case with them, Cass can still not get Dean to explain why he has to stay away. They all go out for some beers and when Sam steps away from the table, we get a scene of Dean and Cass that just kind of hurts. They both look so broken and sad and Dean so clearly needs to talk to somebody and he needs to get the whole Sam situation off his chest and Cass can sense there is something wrong. He knows this is not the Dean he is used to seeing, but he just can't get the other man to break. And after being once again turned away by the only person Cass really has clung to on earth, he gets desperate and he turns to prayer. He knows his grace is gone, but he hopes an angel who doesn't want him dead picks up the call. And as I said before, Cass is always trying to prove himself to heaven, to Dean, to anyone who challenges him, that he's worthy of a place in this world or in heaven. And so he has to do things he never wanted to do, like kill his fellow angels who are out to hunt him and steal their grace to get his strength back and feel like he's worth anything for this fight. Once the whole Ezekiel Gadriel situation blows up in Dean's face, Cass is right back at his side, ready to help him find Sam and save him, now with his borrowed angelic strength to assist in the hunt. There was also just something wonderful about seeing Dean, Crowley, and Cass team up in this. Like, there's not one straight person in that team up, and what an absolute vibe. But after the danger passes and Dean sets off on his own self-hating hunter adventure, Cass stays behind to watch over Sam, because he knows that if Dean doesn't care about his own well-being, he does care about Sam's health, 
and that is what it's important. The brother-in-law energy between Cass and Sam is really nice though. And these scenes of Cass taking care of Sam and trying out the extraction of the leftover grace from Gadrielle is really telling because it speaks to the difference in the affection Cass has for Sam compared to what he has for Dean. We all know that Cass and Dean share a more profound bond because Cass remade every atom of Dean's existence when he pulled him out of hell. But their relationship once topside is still profoundly different from that of Cass and Sam. Cass and Sam's interactions feel truly brotherly. They help each other out when they're hurt, they worry, and they take care, and they act the way family acts when the other person needs help. But there aren't lingering looks or cradling of faces in their last dying breaths, and there's absolutely no eye-fucking going on there for even a second. That's not an interpretation, by the way. The writers literally script those Dean and Cass staring at each other moments as eye-fucking in the script. So that is how I shall refer to them, because come on! These season 9 moments of Sam and Cass hanging out being brothers hammer home the point of how do we know Cass and Dean are in love? Because Cass and Sam aren't. Speaking of Cass having some cool moments with his brother figures, we also get a nice episode of Cass reconnecting with Gabriel, or so we think. The episode Metafiction gives us time to see Cass interacting with what turned out to be a fake Gabriel. And despite the fakeness of it all, it was truly nice to see Cass interacting with one of his brothers, Gabriel in particular, the only other angel we've ever seen express a want for free will. As well in reinforcing the fact that Cass is the beacon of free will in the whole show, it also showcases Cass's deep love and want for family. Gabriel is one of the other angels we have ever been able to side with. Seriously, we've trusted more demons than angels in the show, and it's a little insane. If you think Gabe is in any way a heterosexual, you will also be sorely mistaken. Only queer angel brothers here. And so seeing Cass and him have time to bond and have some brother time is genuinely nice. It also reinforces the fact that Cass craves family. He loves his brother. He fits comfortably in the role of caretaking and brothers in arms equally. Cass is strongest when he's on a team and in a family. And though all of the angels are his brothers and sisters, many of them are also his enemies. So he chooses which ones to care for. And what are chosen and found family tropes? That's right. They are inherently queer. Tragic history of blood family rejecting queer people and forcing queer people to build our own communities and families to support each other made that so. After all the drama of Possessed Sam is over, the tension still mounts with Sam and Dean. There are still some soft moments between Cass and Dean sprinkled in there. Like a small moment over the phone with Dean and Sam, Cass takes a moment from talking about the case to ask Dean how he's doing. And he just gets this little smile on his face that's so like, wow, Cass loves this guy. It's always the little moments with these guys that make you think, wow, you are literally a married couple. You both just like missed the whole wedding part of it. Including a moment where Cass discovers that Dean has taken on the mark of Cain and has what can only be described as a frustrated husband response of what the fuck have you done? But of course, Dean, being Dean, pulls away and insists that he can handle it on his own. And yet Cass still makes Sam promise to watch over Dean because Cass is worried, but he can't watch over Dean himself because he becomes a little preoccupied becoming the leader of the angels once again. However, this time it's not in a weird God steal takeover way. It's all of the angels turning to him for leadership in the fight against Metatron. And Cass sees this whole thing as his fault, that Metatron tricked him and that he should have known better. And so now it's up to him to put heaven back together and get all of his brothers and sisters home. And through it all, Cass maintains his humanity and his humility, which shows in even more little moments like when he invites Dean and Sam to Command Central and greets them with a warm embrace. Or when a soldier calls him Sir and he right away plays it off as the soldier being stuffy and not like he is the actual 
leader of a militia. And of course, things get really complicated when other rogue angels start exploding themselves in his name, and he has no idea why. All of it ending in a boiling point where his own army asks him to kill Dean to prove his loyalty to them. But that is something Cass just cannot do. He never wanted those angels to die in his name. He was not responsible for that. He never wanted the angels to fall. He was tricked by Metatron. He has taken on the role of soldier before and killed when he had to, but he never wants anyone to die for the sake of him, especially Dean. And after his army turns on him for his loyalty to Dean, at the end of it all, we get another soft moment of Cass and Dean, where Cass, with his eyes so sincere and worried, asks that Dean knows that he could never order those attacks in his name. To which Dean says, of course, of course he knows Cass would never do that. Cass just gave up an entire army for him. There's no way Cass ordered those attacks. And the visible weight you see lifted off of Cass's shoulders, he needed to know that Dean knew that. It was essential. Because the way everyone in heaven and hell knows that Dean is Cass's greatest weakness hits like a ton of bricks every single time someone says it. Like in Cass's big boss fight with Metatron, the moment before locking the traitorous angel away, Metatron of course has time to get in a final big bad speech where he observes the angel tablet, the most powerful object in the known universe, in pieces on the floor and asks, for what again? Oh that's right, to save Dean Winchester. That was your goal, right? I mean, you draped yourself in the flag of heaven, but ultimately it was all about saving one human, right? I mean, Metatron was a little worm of a guy, but he also has eyes. Maybe the writers think that having a villain say it makes it less true and less viable of a statement, but like, he's correct. Cass fell from grace for Dean. Cass keeps trying to write the world for Dean. Cass cares about humanity because of you know what? We have five more seasons to process before we get to that. Back to season 10. Because Cass gets things right this time. He locks away Metatron with the help of his angels. His brothers and sisters get to return to heaven. But his borrowed grace has a shelf life. It is fading and making him weaker. And on top of it all, he loses Dean to Metatron's blade and the influence of the Mark of Cain. So in season 10, while Demon Dean is off having his hot girl summer with Crowley, Cass is fading fast, lying in a hotel alone, his body starting to give up as the stolen grace slowly unravels him. And in this incredibly vulnerable state on the phone with Sam, he admits with one of those looks on his face that he misses Dean. That's it. Just a simple, I miss him. But once again, duty calls and Angel Hannah appears at his door and Cass teams up with her to get the rogue angels still on Earth back to heaven. This storyline is another moment of the writers trying to force romance or relationship on Cass, no matter how much it doesn't fit. Because there's no chemistry. Because it at best reads as a one-way crush. Because they are technically brother and sister. Because at this point in the story, Cass is so clearly in love with Dean, and there's no way around it. There's even a moment where Cass has to let her down easy, and if you've ever observed a situation where a person has a crush on their clearly gay best friend, and so the friend has to tell them as much, that's exactly how this reads. Like, Hannah baby, I'm so sorry to break it to you. He's a little gay angel who's just trying to get back to his boyfriend to help cure him of his current demon situation. And thanks to a last minute assist from Crowley again, Cass gets enough of a grace boost to be able to swoop in at the last minute 
and help cure Demon Dean. After all the heavy parts are done, we again get some soft brother-in-law moments with Cass and Sam. Sam leaving Cass in charge of watching Dean when he gets dinner. Once again, the energy in the scenes with Sam and the scenes with Dean are different. With Sam, Cass is just looking forward to the next great crisis they have to tackle. But when Cass gets a moment alone with Dean, his whole demeanor shifts. He assures Dean that everything he did as a demon was not him, that everything's gonna be okay with Dean and Sam, and that Dean needs to give himself a break and to rest. This scene feels like the blueprint for the later mixtape sequence. Like it's the exact same, I love you, you frustrating asshole, and you need to take care of yourself or I will worry constantly energy. There are a lot of those moments in season 10 of Cass checking in on Dean, knowing he's not okay and trying his hardest to make things better. Like their little date in the episode where they're tracking down Claire, they sit down for a meal, Dean in that buy shirt. And Cass physically cannot put his hard eyes away. He's so wrapped up in worry and finding Claire and taking on his duties as her protector and he turns to Dean for advice and yet he ends up being the one comforting Dean, assuring him that he's a good man, that they're both good people who've done bad things, but that doesn't mean they're irredeemable. Every episode of Cass having to find and protect Claire is always really touching because he might just look like her dad, but he also deeply cares about her and worries for her safety. He feels a sense of responsibility to protect her, and every single time he has to go to find her, he also finds a reason to get Dean involved. Cass plays the role in those episodes of a worried parent as well as an exhausted partner just trying to get his spouse and his kid to get along. And all wrapped up in the Claire conversation, it's time to talk about the tie. We all know that Cass's iconic look is the full suit, the blue tie, and the trench coat. Except when he gets back from being human in his soft hoodie and jeans, he finally puts the Cass clothes back on in late season 9, but it doesn't include the tie. As a matter of fact, we don't see him in the Cass outfit with a tie on until Claire specifically asks him to wear one for a pretend to be my dad meeting. And even then he takes it off again until Claire brings it back up and says she likes him better with the tie on. And there are many theories as to why the tie goes away for so long. Is it because every angel we see in the show is always formal and so was Cass for a long time and taking off the tie is a little form of claiming his freedom from their more formal dress code while still maintaining his angelic side? Is it because that one time that Dean told him he looked good with his shirt unbuttoned so he rocks that style for a little while? Is the tie a Jimmy Novak remnant? So he goes without it until the responsibility of looking after Claire becomes less of a Jimmy responsibility thing and more of something Cass wants to do. So when she asks, of course he puts it back on. Or did he honestly just forget how to tie one and until Claire helped him, he didn't have a finished one just to keep it on all the time. We may never know, but don't you think that tie's absence went unnoticed? Much like Dean's leather jacket moments, I see them, I catalog them, and I spend way too much time trying to make them make sense. It has also been pointed out to me that the striped blue and white tie that Cass dons until season 13 when he returns from the empty and his solid blue tie comes back is potentially one of Dean's old FBI ties and that information is simply too much to take in. Especially taking that in side by side with watching Cass spin out over the effects that the mark continues to have over Dean. There's a particular moment in season 10 in an episode where Dean has to call on Crowley for help and when Cass finds out, the husband energy skyrockets. He comes barging into the bunker, screaming over the stairway that they are trusting who now? The man who let Dean turn into a demon? Are you insane? And like, that's completely fair because yes, the plan is insane and it could have gotten them killed. And Dean even makes Cass promise that no matter what comes of it, the Kane-Dean cage match they're about to go into, Cass will do what he has to do. Which then brings a moment I think is far too overlooked of Dean stepping out of the cage match hot off killing Kane with the first blade. And when asked to hand it over, 
he gives it to Cass. Cass is the one he trusts to keep the blade from him. Cass is the one he has the strength to hand that power over to, and that fact cannot be overlooked. As well as the fact that for the first time since he fell, Cass is actually in good standing with heaven. He can work with the angels, he can come and go as he pleases, and yet stealing Metatron and betraying heaven is the only way to save Dean from the mark, so that's what he does. Because even though Castiel is an angel of the Lord, his loyalties are to Dean Winchester. He cares more about what happens to Dean than anyone else in the whole world, even if it means he gets locked out of heaven for trying to save him. While he's taking Metatron on a road trip to get his grace back, Metatron asks Cass what his mission is now, and Cass doesn't answer, because Cass doesn't have an answer, because the answer is Dean but God forbid we ever get to hear it. And once again, Cass and Sam are fun brother-in-laws, especially when they're trying to save Dean. Every scene of them scheming together behind Dean's back is just a good time. They work well as a team. They both have one true goal, which is saving Dean, and the energy between them can only be described as brother-in-law energy. There's simply no way around it. But you know another character that has amazing sibling energy with Cass in this season because they finally meet in season 10? That's correct. I'm talking about patron saint Charlie Bradbury. The very fact that Cass and Charlie only get to be in two episodes together feels like a hate crime that I will never forgive the writers for because when they meet, they are both so happy to finally see the other person in person. She tells him she thought he would be shorter because Dean always describes this literal angel of the Lord whose true form is as large as the Chrysler building as just a dorky little guy. And let us note that the only other time we've ever heard Charlie reference Cass is that he sounds dreamy. My kingdom for those conversations between Dean and Charlie, I need to know how Dean was describing Cass to help her draw those conclusions. But Cass is so happy to finally meet Dean's sister. And because he has his grace back, he heals her wounds and her carpal tunnel, and they lament not being able to do more to help get the mark of Cain off of Dean. And she declares them best friends, and she is right to do it. He deserved more time to know her, even though he did get to spend time with her as a referee between her and Rowena as they worked to crack the code for the Book of the Damned. Yet another pairing, by the way, that deserved more time. Because Charlie, Cass, and Rowena in a room, not a heterosexual person in sight, and we love to see it. He's also truly incapable of lying to Dean about it when they're on the phone with each other. His weirdness being the very thing that tips Dean off that something is going on. And of course, the atrocious ending to Charlie's storyline means that the guilt of letting her go out on her own, of not going after her, weighs heavy on Cass's shoulders, as it does on Dean's. And then at the end of the season, Cass finally catches up to Dean on his murder spree ending in the bunker. Cass says he does not want to stand by and have to watch Dean murder the world. Not while there's a chance he can stop it, that he can do something to remove the mark from his arm. It's sort of like he's seen that Dean is a murderer, that he knows that Dean has the capacity for destruction of all mankind, but that he stands by him anyway. His feelings for Dean are unconditional, and he only asks that Dean try and stop. You know, exactly like Cain's wife Colette in the story Cain told. These writers really took a biblical character who famously had big beef with his brother, put him in their story, and then chose to create the character of Colette. They chose to tell us the story of Colette, Cain's wife, who loved Cain no matter what and only asked that he stop the killing, and then went ahead and paralleled that story with Cass and Dean. It was almost paint by numbers. Dean equals Cain, so Cass equals Colette in this scenario. And still, we were told that any romantic ties we saw weren't there, that we were making it all up. It would be hilarious if it wasn't so fucking infuriating. Speaking of infuriating, season 11 starts with Cass under a literal attack dog curse, 
and he is separated from the Winchesters, from heaven, and from any and everything that cares for him as he is treated as a living weapon. If only this show could stop taking its queer-coded characters and turning them into literal monsters and weapons against the good in the whole show. That would be pretty neat, huh? The attack dog curse nearly kills Cass, and the last angels he thought he could truly trust betray him completely and torture him, and he ends up horribly wounded and needing a long recovery period before he is back in the game. How about we stop punishing Cass for merely existing? Huh? How about that? In addition to the curse that nearly kills him, when he is recovered and Dean does try to get Cass back out on the case, Cass can't seem to get himself out of the bunker without having PTSD flashbacks to what he did while under the attack dog curse and the beating Dean gave him while under the mark of Kane's influence. Which was a moment I nearly forgot even happened. Truly taking a moment to see Cass's trauma, see how deeply it affected him, is jarring and upsetting because half of it is his guilt over what he did while under the curse. And the other half of it is him being hurt by Dean. That's not something we get to see him process ever in this show. And everyone keeps telling him how weak he is. Metatron, Amara, and even Sam and Dean are treating him like he's broken. That even with his grace back, he's not at full strength. His wings are damaged and frayed, his confidence is in the basement, and his mind is actively working against him. He is so beaten down, and he feels so powerless, that when Lucifer promises he can beat Amara but he needs a vessel, Cass says yes. He wants to be of use to the fight, and this was the only way he knew how. To surrender his sense of self and be used as nothing more than a tool in a war he did not want to fight. And in his mind, he retreats to a place he feels safe, a place he could not think about what was happening in his own body, that he could feel a sense of comfort. The place he chooses is the kitchen of the bunker, which is just, that's a whole hell of a lot to process. The bunker, the place the Winchesters call home, is also where he decides to seek refuge. In life and in his mind, he feels safe there, protected and locked away from the horrors of the world and what Lucifer is doing in his vessel. And when Amara does blast Lucifer away and he gets back into his own body, Dean reassures Cass that if he thought Lucifer could defeat Amara, that Cass did the right thing, letting him in, and that he and Sam didn't have the strength to do that. And so let's get to the you're like a brother to us conversation. I would like to send a thank you and a fruit basket to Misha's facial expressions in that scene, because as covered on Dean's episode, repression is a hell of a drug. And as stated earlier in this episode, Dean tells Cass that he is like a brother to them because Dean is incapable of processing love and affection for other people, especially another man outside of familial feelings, because that is all he has ever known and he is emotionally stunted. And Cass's face in this scene, he is still feeling guilt and grief over how everything went with Lucifer, what he did under the curse, and how they don't have a solution for God and Amara. But Dean tells him that they are family, that Cass is seen and appreciated for who he is, and that he is part of the team, the family, no matter what. But as we established, Cass very much knows how he feels about Dean at this point. I speculate that he realized he was in love in season seven. So sitting here in season 12, knowing he loves this man and being told that he is like a brother to him is crushing. And you can see it written all over his face and how he chokes back his emotions when he says thank you because he is thankful for even a little bit of what Dean wants from him. And self-destructive as ever, just like the man he loves, when Dean makes himself into a bomb to kill the darkness, Cass offers to go with him, to die with him. But when Dean doesn't let him, he of course agrees to watch over Sam 
He would agree to any terms Dean set, and of course he would watch over the person that he knows Dean loves more than anything in the world. Which predictably means he immediately gets blasted out of the bunker by the world's most annoying plot device that is the British Men of Letters. However, that does give him the opportunity to touch down in a field and get himself a new ride. So long, Big Buick. Hello, Cass in a pickup truck. I like the pickup truck for him better, by the way. The other car was fun and so clearly Cass holding onto a car that kind of resembled the kind of car that Dean drove and it was very cute. But the pickup truck is sturdy and reliable and it's multi-purpose and it's strong and it's more relaxed and he looks so much more natural behind the wheel of a truck too. And then he gets back to the bunker and is greeted by Mary Winchester holding a pistol to his head. Hell of a way to meet the mother-in-law. And then Dean walks in and the utter relief in Cass's voice when he sees that Dean is alive and well, he literally cannot stop himself from flinging into Dean's arms and hugging him tightly, not being able to believe that Dean is really alive and standing in front of him. But despite Dean being alive, Cass had made him a promise and Sam was missing. So Cass is in full rage mode as he rolls with Mary and Dean tracking down Sam. He and Dean are really in sync, despite having to juggle the Mary of it all. They fight so well side by side and they practically read each other's minds when interrogating people for information. It's the great beginning of season 12, the season of husband behavior, including scenes where Dean calls Cass and asks for advice about how to talk or act around his mom because things are awkward. And Cass is not super helpful, basically supplying Dean with the answer of, I don't know, Dean, humans are weird and they make things harder than they need to be. It wasn't until this Cass-focused viewing that I realized how much Cass bonded with Mary this whole season. Because they're both kind of aliens in this modern world. His angelness making him just a little out of touch with technology and pop culture means he relates to her jumping from the 80s to a perpetual 80s in heaven to the 2010s. She can't sleep because she feels so strange and he doesn't sleep because angel. And there's a soft heartbreaking moment where she asks if things will ever feel like they fit and he says he's been around for years and he still doesn't feel like he fits. How awful is that? He is a part of this family, a part of this team, but he feels so on the outside of it all. What I wouldn't give for someone to tell Cass that he's loved and needed and essential to this family unit. I'm sure his low opinion of himself and sense of responsibility he takes on his own shoulders have a little something to do with that. Like the responsibility he feels for freeing Lucifer from the cage and needing to take it on himself to go and search him down. Which of course kicks off the cast Crowley buddy comedy hour. That entire storyline was queer on queer violence. They bring out the snark and the sass in each other and Cass's attitude to Crowley could very well be the whole that's the king of hell and I am an angel so of course I hate him thing. But I suspect is also a little bit of you hooked up with my man when he was a demon and that seeps in there and it can't be helped really. At the end of the Lucifer hunt when Cass is tasked with taking Kelly which results in him losing track of the boys before they're arrested. Mary tries to lay into him about it as if his guilt of leaving them for even a few minutes wasn't eating him alive already. And then he's alone. Him and Mary going their separate ways to look for Dean and Sam to try and hunt monsters that come up in the meantime. For six weeks, for six weeks, Cass is alone on the road, alone in the bunker, with no idea where Dean and Sam are, if they're alive or dead, or if they're ever coming back. He and Mary have another bonding moment where Cass admits that he tried to work a case he tried to do everything the right way that Dean and Sam have taught him and that he failed and that people died. He keeps failing at everything he tries to do and it beats him down and it crushes all of his hope. And there's a moment of Cass sitting alone in the dark at the table in the bunker and he is so utterly alone and sad and it's 
crushing. But then his phone rings and rings and rings. And finally he answers and it's Dean. Dean is alive. And the immediate relief that takes over Cass's face is overwhelming. He gathers Mary. He even teams up with the horrid British men of letters and races to Dean as fast as he can. And for a brief moment, everything is okay. Dean and Sam are safe. They're all together. And then Billy arrives and says a Winchester has to die. But no, God damn it, no. Cass is not going to let this happen. He's not going to let this idiotic, self-sacrificing family fight over who gets to throw their life away for no good reason. So he does the only thing he can think of, and he kills the Reaper Billy. And then he gives one of many Cass speeches that are just short of out-and-out love confessions. He says, you know this world, this sad, doomed little world, it needs you. It needs every last Winchester it can get, and I will not let you die. I will not let any of you die, and I won't let you sacrifice yourselves. You mean too much to me, to everything. We will note here that after Cass says this, we get a long, lingering shot on Dean's face. Just saying. The Winchesters made a deal. They made a stupid, reckless deal, and Cass broke it. Because like hell, was he going to let another ill-made deal rip a Winchester from this world. And what is our immediate follow-up to this episode? The episode where Cass breaks a cardinal rule of the universe, kills a reaper because of the love in his heart for Dean and the other Winchesters, is followed up abruptly with an entire episode about an angel who fell in love with a human and got killed for it. An angel who came into that human's life, fell in love, and then died without being able to protect her or her daughter from danger. Little on the nose there, don't we think, writers? And all the angels must have a heavenly nickname for Dean or something, because Castiel's human weakness seems to be it. Every time they criticize Cass's inability to remain impartial, it's because of his love for quote-unquote humanity and his quote human weakness. Like, let's just say Dean's name and get it over with. And then these writers have the audacity to have Cass stand in front of the human woman, Lily Sunder, who lost her child to the angel's violence and have him say he couldn't possibly imagine the pain of losing a child. This in the very same season where we see him commit to being a father to Kelly's son. This episode is quickly followed up by one where Cass is stabbed with the Michael Spear and is on the brink of certain death and says, I love you, with a lovely cut to Dean right after. And even when he qualifies it with, I love you all, we again look right away to Dean. Castiel is the king of deathbed love confessions because let's be real, the speech he gave while lying in that barn ready to die is almost the exact same speech he gave in season 15 except here when he says, I love you, he's looking at the ground unable to meet Dean's eyes. He's only able to look up when he qualifies it with I love you all. Also worth noting that after this event, Mary says she almost lost one of her boys, meaning that Cass is one of her boys because that woman sees the way Dean looks at that angel and she knows what's up. Thankfully, Crowley manages to help pull Cass back into the land of the living and he promptly disappears again to go back in search of Kelly Klein and her unborn child, leading him again to team up with the angels in heaven, once again being tempted by their promise that if he helps him this time put the whole thing right, then he'll be back in heaven's good graces, finally redeemed in their eyes. And Cass 
craves validation almost as much as the man with daddy issues he's accidentally fallen in love with. So the angels successfully manipulate him and he goes radio silent even when he sees Dean calling him for help. That is until he drops by the bunker suddenly and we get the mixtape scene. Now was the move of returning the tape just a reason for Cass to go into Dean's room? Or was he genuinely so shaken by Dean's anger that he believed he didn't deserve a gift from this man anymore? I don't know. But what I do know is that Cass is fucking broken by this point. He tells Dean that he just keeps failing and that he didn't want to come back without a win for Dean. He needs that for Dean. He needs it for himself and he can't take another personal failure. Even though Dean tries to assure Cass that they're all failing as a team and that if they are going to go down, they're going to go down swinging and they're going to do it together. But Cass is simply not hearing it. How does Cass know? that Dean keeps the cult under his pillow for safekeeping? That's a question that's plagued us all for a very long time now, isn't it? But he does. He steals the gun, which leads to the Dean pushing Cass against the wall scene, which just the emotional weight of the mixtape scene and then the visual of this very intense moment is a whole hell of a lot to take in in one episode. But on the heavy emotional side, Cass at this point has lost all faith in a bigger plan once again. He went against the angel's orders not killing Kelly on sight, settling for the less gruesome option of just trying to bring her to heaven because he's not a soldier who follows blindly anymore. But he has also lost faith in a larger purpose for it all. He believes that just bringing Kelly to heaven, just killing her himself so that Dean doesn't have to, will be enough. And let's break that down. The sense of protection he has over Dean in this situation. He knows Dean doesn't like having to do this job a lot of the time. He knows that Dean will not be able to murder a woman and her unborn child even for the sake of the greater good. And if he does do it, it will haunt Dean for the rest of his life. So better for Cass to take on that pain for him because he's a self-sacrificing angel. Even when Kelly tells Cass that he is the one Jack has chosen as his protector, he says, He's not a person that anyone should put their faith in. His self-worth is shot. He once again feels like if he can't be useful to the fight, to the world, he's not worth anyone's time or attention. And then he gets a taste of Jack's power. He becomes a dad in that moment and everything changes. Suddenly everything's clear. Jack is going to be so powerful and he's going to bring paradise on earth and Cass knows that because he's seen it. Something I always appreciated about the Cass and Kelly Klein story was that it didn't feel like the writers trying to force another woman on Cass romantically or sexually. The energy was very much a woman having her baby and her gay best friend who was going to raise that baby for her. The moment Cass is sure of what Jack's existence will be, he's all in. He's committed to reading parenting books and building cribs, and buying diapers, and being there for Kelly as she finishes this pregnancy. So of course, it is, once again, time to pull the rug out from under him and have Cass killed in a fight with Lucifer, leaving Dean kneeling at his body, utterly broken. As we all know, in Supernatural, when angels die, they go to the empty, where they're supposed to stay asleep for the rest of time. But Dean's grief for Cass is so loud and so upsetting that it triggers Jack into calling out for Cass, reaching him in the empty and waking him up. Props again to Misha for playing the empty. It's utterly ridiculous and I love it. But on the sad side of it, the empty, annoyed with Cass being awake, examines all of Cass's thoughts to try and figure out why he's awake. And then the empty says he knows who Cass hates. He knows who Cass loves and that Cass doesn't want to go back to Earth because there is nothing for him there. And then shows him a horrible montage of every painful moment in Cass's life since going to Earth. So Cass is tortured for the 
millionth time. And he stands strong against the empty, against all of his promises that there's nothing for him in the real world, that he won't be missed, and that he should just lay down and sleep. Cass persists. He is determined to stay awake, to annoy the empty until the end of time, if that's what it takes. And he demands to be released. It's a stark contrast to what we see of Dean in the entire episode, giving up and being ready to die because of his grief. And then on the other side, we see Cass fighting tooth and nail to get back to the land of the living. So Castiel, gay legend that he is, literally annoys a cosmic entity so much that it releases him from its grasp and returns him to Earth. And the very first thing he does after waking up in a field back in his own body, a field where, according to the leaked first draft of the Tombstone script, is where Dean went by himself to spread Cass's ashes? Cass walks all day and night, and he finds a phone, and he calls Dean Winchester. Which leads to yet another deeply romantic reunification moment, a neon cross hanging prominently over their heads as Castiel falls into Dean's arms. Dean, who brings Cass home to his son, their son, really, for the first time. Cass gets to lay eyes on Jack, and truly deeply, the bond begins to form between them both. And for a few minutes, we get to have a little bit of fun. Cass gets to go on a fun family road trip with Jack and Sam and Dean, and they work a case in Dodge City, and the amount of husband energy radiating from this episode is pure joy. Because yes, the moments of Cass acknowledging that Dean is an angry sleeper, like a bear, and his patience for Dean and his coffee moment, and his willingness to play cowboy dress-up with Dean are all remarkable. But Tombstone also gives us moments of Jack learning what angels are and a little more about heaven from Cass. And when things start to go sour and Jack makes a mistake, Cass steps in in his fatherly role in a real way, trying to assure Jack that they've all made mistakes and that it doesn't make him a monster. And so when Jack runs away, Cass also does the fatherly thing and goes out to find him, even going to the angels for help. And he jumps in to protect Jack from even the idea of a threat against him by heaven. Which unfortunately leads to him and Lucifer being taken hostage by, I think, the worst bad guy in the whole show, that is Kentucky Fried Asmodeus. Not only does this shape-shifting, annoying bad guy take Cass captive, he brainwashes Donatello, which makes Donatello go rabid and even hurt Dean by magically choking him out. An act which makes Cass absolutely snap, locking Dean and Sam out of the room and telling Donatello that I'm not going to let you hurt the people that I love again before effectively frying Donatello's brain. Seasons 12 and 13, Cass really does throw around the love word a lot over and over and over again. And I feel like we glossed over it at the time, but now that we know what the ending is, every single one of the people I love lines hits really hard. And it seems his reward for all of that outward love, is just a little bit more trauma because he goes to heaven to try to get help from the angels with the whole, you know, apocalypse world situation. And he gets immediately confronted with Naomi. We even get a montage to remind us all of the horrible trauma, which thankfully he gets to confront her about. However, she spins the whole situation into manipulating him into helping keep heaven's lights on. The fatherly moments and true husband behavior do kick into overdrive in the tail end of the season with a trip to the apocalypse world to go get Jack and the battle with Lucifer and Michael. But the final dagger in the heart, Cass-wise, after the Michael deal, is the truly broken look on his face when Dean disappears. The stupid little queer baiting and simultaneously homophobic lines start to hit different in the last two seasons. Like in season 14, when Cass goes to a demon looking for Michael Dean, and that demon says, aren't you and Dean attached at the, you know, everything? It's just punch you in the face obvious what they mean, and the pure, like, I'm gonna get him back vengeance on Cass's face is a lot 
and it makes me angry. And then to make matters worse, because these writers love to make matters worse, Cass is then used by that demon as literal bait. He is the queer bait in so fucking many senses of the word. The demon even straight up says, that's what you're for, isn't it? It is the writers looking us in the face saying we know exactly what we're doing, it's working, and fuck you. The fact that Cass's love for his son is the first domino in the line of events that would do him in does break my heart into a million little pieces. His grief over losing Jack is so large and so strong that he would have taken on any deal that was put in front of him to get his son back. And so the empty offers something horrible. Castiel's deal with the empty is yet another example of a queer-coded, later blatantly, canonly queer character having to sacrifice themselves for the greater good. A character who struggles with depression, who has let himself be killed in the past in order to save the ones he loves. He is so desperate to get Jack back home that he makes that bullshit deal with the empty. The deal that says once he is truly happy, he will be taken into that pit of nothingness for all eternity, sacrificing his life for his sons. And he only makes the deal because he believes, he truly believes he will never get to be happy. And then he makes Jack promise to keep it a secret, to let him suffer in silence with the fact that he will never, ever get true happiness, not even for a moment. Let's be incredibly fucking clear about this. This deal, these words, this was the writers and creators of this show speaking directly to the fan base. This was the writer's room looking at us and saying, we hate this character. We hate that he got too popular to write off the show. We hate that you all like him. We hate that the fan base sees the queer coding to a point that we had to start making it blatant in the show. They wanted us to know that the queer character we love so much, that we identify with, that we pour love and support into, will never get happiness. And the moment he thinks he might, he will be punished and he will be killed for it. Watching this deal episode happen again just really got my blood boiling because they stopped even trying to be subtle. They stopped mincing words. The writers and creators of the show saw the final season ahead of them and they said, you know what? Fuck you. We're killing the gay angel and you have to deal with it. Coupled with Cass needing to fight tooth and nail to keep Dean from throwing himself into the Malik box with Michael for the rest of eternity and having to keep Jack from burning away the rest of his soul after being brought back, it's too much to bear. Cass is holding so much on his own and still Still, the show refuses to center him or speak to the heavyweight he is carrying. And then Jack kills Mary, and Dean blames Cass for it because of Cass's unspoken suspicions about Jack's powers. It is unfair, and it's cruel, and you can see Cass's heartbreak when Dean says that if Jack did this, Cass is dead to him. So Cass turns to Naomi and Heaven to beg to get Mary Winchester back so that Dean might be able to look him in the eye again. He is so alone and he's so desperate because not only is his son missing, but Mary was his friend too. And he is fucking sad, but he doesn't have the time or the space to grieve her. And then on top of all of that, he has to go against Dean to find and defend Jack. Cass is truly 
the last one holding out hope that Jack can be redeemed and saved because Jack is inherently good and Cass knows it even if Dean doesn't. But thanks to Chuck messing with everything once again and pushing and pushing and pushing Dean until he is brought to his breaking point, everything boils over and Cass has to watch Jack die again. He loses his son because of God and he's angry and grieving and can't even find comfort in Dean because Dean is full of his own rage and grief and is emotionally unavailable to him. Losing Jack fucks all of them up, but the demon possessing Jack ruins Cass. He can't look at this demon. He goes at him with an angel blade and screams about the abomination and pleads with Dean to let him do this because that demon is desecrating Jack's corpse. And when everything winds down from the ghost town situation, Dean can't meet Cass's eyes either. Dean checks in that Cass is in one piece and then when Cass goes to continue the conversation, Dean pushes him away and it's shattering. Cass is pushed even further into confronting his grief for Jack when he has to smite Belphegor out of Jack's vessel, effectively cremating his son's body with his own hands all alone in the bowels of hell and god damn it, somebody give this angel a hug. Because then comes the breakup in the bunker. Dean says that Cass is the thing that always goes wrong in their plans. And those words shouted in anger and echoing in the empty space of the bunker almost visually hit Cass like a hard slap. And it's the beginning of the end. Dean admits he's never forgiven Cass for Mary, and that's all it really takes for Cass to finally give in. Cass is so deep in his grief for Jack and he's so hurt by everything sitting between himself and Dean that he simply can't do it anymore. He can't bear to be here with Dean looking at him like that every single day while he has this unbearable pain of losing his child sitting on his chest. I think the divorce arc hurts in a special kind of way because it is well and truly the first time one of them walks out because they are unhappy. They're both alive. There isn't an angel possessing someone or pushing them apart. There isn't some big reason they have to be apart other than heartbreak and grief and the fact that Cass cannot be in that bunker where he no longer believes he fits and a family he does not believe he has anymore. And let's not be mistaken, this was a breakup. Show the final scene of episode 1503 to any human being with absolutely no context and they will tell you it reads as a romantic couple having the most heart-wrenching breakup you've ever seen spurred on by the loss of their son. And Cass's first episode back after the breakup, he is helping a desperate mother who can't find her son and he's all alone and he's so sad and he takes his anger and his grief out on the monster who hurt that child going completely overkill with his angel blade and using some of the limited grace he has left to heal that kid. And even when he does come back to the bunker for the lead up to the big fight, he and Dean cannot look at each other in the eyes and can't talk for any longer than they have to. But Cass still uses his fading grace to heal Dean when he gets cuts and bruises and comes with him on the mission to get Michael from hell. Speaking of hell, big props to Queen Rowena on that mission as well, sitting those two boys down and making them confront their issues. She's the small nudge into couples therapy and purgatory is the big bold push they truly needed. And it works. Walking through purgatory gives them time to talk through all the problems they've been having. That Cass left because Dean couldn't forgive him for his role in Mary's death. And I'm very proud of Cass for standing up for himself in that moment. When Dean tries to put the blame of walking out on Cass, Cass points out that he may have left 
but Dean did nothing to stop him. And in a very on-brand move for these boys, it takes them being separated by a fight in purgatory and Dean thinking Cass was lost to him forever for Cass to finally hear that Dean has forgiven him. He hears Dean cry and prays to him that he has been forgiven and miraculously makes his way to the rift, their divorce arc finally over, uniting them once again. And then Cass gets Jack back and his family is finally all together again, and how I wish he got to enjoy it for even one minute before the world starts to end again. Because Cass's family means everything to him, and he should get to enjoy it. We even get to hear as much when he meets Dr. Sexy, who is now a priest. I'm aware it's a different character, but come on, casting, that's literally Dr. Sexy. So Father Sexy basically tells Cass that it's okay to be gay and to have faith at the same time. Both can exist. Which leads to us hearing Cass's speech in the shelter about the fact that he used to have blind faith. And when his world fell apart and he didn't know what to do, he found a renewed sense of faith in his family and it helped him figure out who he is as a person. Castiel, the angel with free will, the embodiment of choice and free will in the entire show, saying that his family, his chosen family, was the thing that helped him get back his faith and understand his entire purpose for existing. Only to then have his son throw back in his face that Jack has also made a deal that will save them all, but will end in his death. Cass is told he's going to have to watch his child die again, and he doesn't have a choice in the matter, but he's got to keep the information to himself. But apparently, Cass only lets self-sacrificing secrets exist for himself, so he immediately spills everything to Dean because of course he does. Leading up to the very end, Cass is then confronted with Chuck, also known as, you know, God, telling him that every other version of Cass in every other world that gripped Dean tight and raised him from perdition, went on to do what they were told, but that he was different. He was the one off the line with a crack in his chassis. This Cass is the one that broke the rules. This Cass is the one that fucked everything up. This is the only Cass that fell in love with Dean and ruined God's plan. Echoing back all the way to season four, when Chuck told him, you aren't a part of this story, and Cass said they were making it up as they go. Do any of us even have the mental energy to get into the fact that the queer love story at the root of this show was the thing that pissed off God and ruined his plans to sow destruction on the world? That the queer love story was the only thing that actually wounded God? Truly, it's too much to take. How does a person even start? Which brings us to the end of Cass's story, his final sacrifice. Because of course it's an all or nothing fight against death that brings him here. Because of course he has no other choice cornered in the bunker between Dean and death pounding on the door. Because of course these writers who only ever intended Cass to be around for one season, who resented the fan base that grew around him, who tried to kill him off over and over again to no success, had to try one last time. In his final moments, Cass finally opens himself up to happiness and lets the light of loving Dean Winchester shine on his face. He tells Dean that knowing him changed Cass, that he cared about all of humanity because of Dean. He says, I love you. He says goodbye. And then we and Dean have to watch him be taken from us one last time, never to be seen again. They throw us a bone in the final episode, mentioning that Cass is the one who helped Jack rebuild heaven, implying that Jack rescued Cass from the empty, that he's okay now, and that is the potential for Dean and everyone else in heaven could see him one day. But we as viewers never got to lay eyes on Castiel after his confession, which is infuriating. Castiel's story was epic and sweeping and full of loss and 
anger and faith and betrayal and family and love. Love was his guiding force the entire time. Love for humanity, love for choice, love for the Winchesters. Even though his love for Dean was the thing that the show chose to punish him for in the end, the very act of saying it changed the show forever. Now when we, who have known all along, go back to rewatch it all, we see it knowing that Castiel falls in love with Dean Winchester. It's been confirmed out loud with the real words. It's been said and it cannot be unsaid. And just like I said of Dean's story, especially because of how Cass's story ended, now it's our turn. We're the ones who get to write the story now. Death of the author and all that. Castiel the soldier, the angel of Thursday, who came off the line with a crack in his chassis. Castiel, the angel who fell from grace, right into love with Dean Winchester. Castiel will not be forgotten. His story will continue to be told because, Cass, you did it all. You did everything for love. And no one can ever take that away. Thank you for listening to this episode of Skip to the Gay Parts. If you enjoyed this episode, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Skip to the Gay Parts wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at the Gay Parts Pod, on Instagram at Skip to the Gay Parts Pod, where you can find all of the information for our Ko-Fi and the host TikTok, me, Amanda, at AbnormalAmanda underscore 18. Thank you so much for your continued support, and I'll see you next time.